music of Christmas. We have been through Thanksgiving and in no small thanks to the National Retail Federation's online arm, we've been through Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and Giving Tuesday. We are moving into the Advent season, and with this season comes music. On satellite radio, there is a channel for traditional and contemporary Christmas music. You hear it in the malls, in hotel lobbies, in airport terminals, on television commercials and on streaming apps of every sort. In 2012, the BBC published a documentary called The World's Top 10 Richest Songs. Three of the highest grossing songs in the world are Christmas songs. In 1934, a publisher in New York City approached a lyricist named Havin Gillespie and asked him to write a Christmas song because he had a vocabulary that a child could understand. Collaborating with J. Fred Coots, he wrote some lyrics on the back of a napkin in 15 minutes. And together they came up with the song, You Better Watch Out. You Better Not Pout. You better not cry, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. That song has made $27 million. The families have a copyright on that song until the year 2029. Every time we hear it, they make some money. Without a song, the day would never end. Without a song, the road would never bend. When things go wrong, a man ain't got a friend without a song. I got my troubles in woe, but as long as I know the Jordan will roll, I'll get along as long as a song is down in my soul. I'll never know what makes the rain to fall. I'll never know what makes the grass grow tall. I only know there ain't no love at all without a song. Music has the power to move us. Black women walk like they're listening to music. Their hips sway from side to side as though there's some music in their head. 
black children before they can speak they know how to dance because we are musical people one of the ways you know that you're saved the Bible says that there is melody there's music in your heart music compels us to act it gives us the power to even change our mood which brings us to our text this morning in Isaiah at chapter 9 Isaiah 9 is not a letter it is not a story it is not a vision Isaiah chapter 9 is a song it is the music of Christmas. Brothers and sisters, this morning, it's important to understand the text in its context. In 725 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel faced an ominous situation from an evil and aggressive Assyrian empire which had reached the zenith of its power and was now poised to attack a morally bankrupt and militarily weakened Israel. Yet, into the helplessness of their darkness, in the midst of their hopelessness and despair, they receive a word from God that shine the light of God's deliverance in their dark situation. Their gloom would turn to rejoicing. Their distress would turn into joy. Their oppression would turn to a broken yoke. Their darkness would turn to life and the shadow of death would be overcome. 700 years before the wise men opened their treasures. 700 years before the angels sang on still Judean hills. 700 years before the shepherds bowed to look down into heaven. Isaiah explains what Christmas is all about in a text that is called the cornerstone and the centerpiece of Old Testament prophecy. Like the people in this text, we know something of bondage. We here this morning know something of difficulty, distress, and hardship. In a congregation this size, somebody here knows the experience of the pain of divorce. Somebody here this morning knows of being a survivor of abuse. Someone this morning has experienced debilitating depression and crippling anxiety. Somebody here this morning needs to heal from hurts in your past, the loss of a loved one, or maybe you are battling some affliction. The poet Dean Young writes, you start with the darkness to move through and then the darkness moves through you. But brothers and sisters, I've got some good news for you this morning. 
And the good news is, for unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I only want to deal with this, with this wonderful counselor this morning. Look with me in verse 6. He is marvelous. It's imperative that we see the flow of Isaiah's argument. From the virgin birth of Emmanuel in Isaiah 7 to the king with four names in Isaiah 9 to the rod from the stem of Jesse in Isaiah 11, Jesus is God's Messiah, the promised deliverer of Old Testament prophecy. Yet, there's something marvelous in his coming. There's something mysterious that only through the eyes of faith can we see what God is up to. He came in earthly humanity. For a child is born. Literally, a child has been born for us. For our good, a child is born. This speaks of his earthly beginning. Galatians at chapter 4 and verse number four reads, but when the fullness of time had come, I wish I had a Bible reading. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Hebrews chapter two and verse 14 reads, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself became flesh and blood and took part of the same. He came not only in earthly humanity, but he's marvelous in that he came in heavenly deity. God's gift came in a person of deity wrapped in a package of humanity. The birth in Bethlehem, the birth in Bethlehem was not Jesus' beginning. He was born in Bethlehem, but he didn't begin in Bethlehem. I wish I had help to preach it. There was a time when Jesus was not. But there was never a time when the sun was not. The great mystery of the manger is that God should be able to translate deity into humanity without discarding the deity or distorting the humanity. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. The incarnation was a true and genuine wedding of perfect divinity 
and sinless humanity. He was older than his mother, yet the same age as his father. Because John chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Um, he's marvelous. But not only is he marvelous in that same verse, he's majestic. Dr. Jerry Vines says that Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is the greatest single verse in all of scripture about the Lord Jesus Christ. With more than 250 names and titles scattered from Genesis to Revelation, Isaiah brings together four in a tight, concise package that appear nowhere else in all of Scripture. He is a wonderful counselor. Literally, Wonderful counselor means wonder of a counselor. It's a wonder that he counsels with us. It's a wonder that he puts up with us. It's a wonder that he died to save us. It's a wonder that he blesses us. It's a wonder that he hears our prayers. It's a wonder that he comes to our deliverance. It's a wonder that he wakes us up in the morning. It's a wonder that he watches over us while we sleep at night. It's a wonder how he guides our footsteps and it's a wonder how he made us a little lower than the angel. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. I wish I had help to preach it. When I consider the heaven, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that you're so mindful of him? And the son of man that you would even visit him. You've made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Wonderful counselor. He is one who gives wondrous counsel and unfailing wisdom. Listen to me right here. We live in the day of counseling. We live in a day of the psychiatrist. Like my cousin in Beaumont said, the psychiatrist doctor. We live in a day of counselors and psychiatrists and psychoanalysts and therapists. Do not misunderstand me, brothers and sisters. Mental illness is real and needs proper treatment. But the inherent fallacy of human wisdom 
is derided if it is void of spiritual insight. It has been said, I didn't say this, it has been said that a counselor is someone who will help you organize your hang-ups so that you can be unhappy more efficiently. I, I didn't say that, it has been said. That a psychologist, a counselor, is one who helps you to organize your hang-ups so that you can be unhappy more efficiently. Listen to me, beloved. The reason why we need a wonderful counselor, it was by a counselor that we fell in the sin. Satan got Eve involved in psychoanalysis. Eve got Adam involved in group therapy. And together they plunged the world into insanity. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus knows that in weakness is strength. In surrender is victory. In death is life. This wonderful counselor is a wonder because his counsel goes beyond human wisdom. Not only is he marvelous, not only is he majestic, but verse 7 tells us he's mighty. Our God is a promise keeper. What he promises, he will perform. He will rule completely. His rule will be universal, unending, and unparalleled. No one will vote him in and no one will vote him out. His rule is complete. His rule is eternal. There shall be no end. Queen Elizabeth II sat on the throne of Great Britain for 70 years. But the other day her reign came to an end. King Charles took her place but there will be nobody to take his place because he's in a class all by himself and if you like me the more I call him the sweeter it sounds he will rule completely he will rule eternally and he will rule powerfully because the zeal of the Lord shall perform this. I'm running out of time here. But brothers and sisters, let me, hurry, so let me hurry and help us to understand that history records the birth of some famous people. In January, Franklin Roosevelt was born. Paul Revere, George Washington Carver, 
Mozart was born. Edgar Allan Poe and Isaac Newton were born in January. But we don't celebrate them. In February, George Washington was born. Abraham Lincoln was born. Thomas Edison and Charles Dickens and Charles Darwin were born in February, but we don't celebrate them. In March, Alexander Graham Bell was born. Michelangelo was born in March. David Livingstone and Albert Einstein, but we still don't celebrate them. In May, Harry Truman was born. John F. Kennedy was born in May. Florence Nightingale and Queen Victoria, Ralph Waldo Emerson were born in May, but I'm not here to talk about them. In June, Robert Louis Stevenson was born and Harriet Beecher Stowe, John Wesley and Helen Keller, but I'm not here to shout about them. In July, Julius Caesar was born. Henry David Thoreau was born. In July, Rembrandt was born. Mussolini and Isaac Watts. John Calvin of the Protestant Reformation, but I'm not here to talk about them this morning. In August, Alfred Lord Tennyson was born. Napoleon Bonaparte and Leo Tolstoy. In, in September, Alexander the Great, who conquered all the known world, was born. But we are not gathered this morning to celebrate Alexander the Great. In October, Dwight Eisenhower was born. Gandhi was born. Daniel Webster was born in October. In November, Martin Luther. Andrew Carnegie, Winston Churchill, and Mark Twain were born. But I didn't get up this morning because Martin Luther or Andrew Carnegie was born. In December, Beethoven was born. Charles Wesley and Rudyard Kipling was born. Walt Disney was born in December. But I didn't put these clothes on to talk about Walt Disney. I'm here this morning because for unto us, a child is born. Not just any child. I said not just any child. This child has a name that's above every name. You're going to help me talk about him, won't you? This child is the ancient of days. This child is a desire of all nations. This child is the lily of the valley. He's the bright and the morning star. This child is the rose of Sharon. He's the root of David. He's the stem of Jesse. This child was born in Bethlehem, reared in Nazareth, baptized in the Jordan, performed miracles in a desert place, wept over Jerusalem, prayed in Gethsemane. This child turned water into wine. This child made lame men to walk. He made deaf men to hear. This child was walking along one day and a woman had an issue of blood and grabbed his clothes and when he stopped, the blood stopped. And he told the woman, your faith has made you whole. This child went to a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee and turned ordinary water 
into extraordinary wine. This child went to Jairus' house one day and Jairus' little daughter was at the point of death. Jesus put everybody out but Peter, James, and John. Jairus and his wife and took the girl by her hand and she came back to life again. If you just celebrate Jesus in a manger, you will miss what Christmas is all about. If you just shout over a baby, you will miss what salvation is all about. I'm glad he was born in a manger, but he couldn't save me in a manger. I'm glad Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple, but he couldn't save me in the temple. I'm glad Jesus came through 42 generations. I'm glad he sported a nine-month nature train and stopped off in Bethlehem of Judea. Go out in the vestibule and look at that beautiful manger scene that's out there. Admire him as a baby in the manger. But don't stop with admiring as a baby because you will miss what the season is all about. I'm glad that child grew up one day and walked to a hill called Calvary and died for my sins and rose for my justification. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I wish I had a witness this morning who knows that there's power in the name of Jesus. Come on, help me call that name. Come on, help me talk about him a minute. He's a rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in a time of storm. He's a friend when you're friendless. Bread when you're hungry. Water when you're thirsty. Y'all know him, don't you? He's God's only son. He's Mary's baby boy. He's James and Jude's older brother. He's Matthew's king. He's Mark's suffering servant. He's Luke's great physician. Y'all know him, don't you? He's John's word made flesh. He's Acts coming of the Holy Ghost. He's the only begotten of the Father. He's the blessed and the only potentate. He's the faithful and the true witness. Y'all know him, don't you? He's Adam's redeemer. Abel's vindicator. Abraham's sacrifice. He's Noah's ark. He's David's music. He's Solomon's wisdom. He's Jeremiah's balm. He's Ezekiel's wheel. Y'all know him, don't you? If you know him and you're not ashamed to testify, if he saved you and you don't care who's looking at you, if he brought you and you don't mind testifying, if he laid his hands on you and you don't mind being a witness, now is a good time to tell God thank you for letting Jesus be born. But more than that, thank you that one Friday on a hill called Calvary, he died, didn't he die? If he 
why don't you shake somebody's hand tell them for unto us come on use your preaching voice unto us a child is born tell somebody else unto us a son is given ask them right now aren't you glad he was born aren't you glad he died aren't you glad he got up aren't you glad he's coming back thank you thank you thank you Thank you.